Hey, Paul. Hmm. Can I ask you a question? How come you ain't ever like me? Like you? What law is there saying I got to like you? None. All right, then. Don't you eat every day. Answer me when I talk to you. Don't you eat every day? Yeah. As long as you're in my house, you put a sir on the end of it when you talk to me. Yes, sir. You eat every day. Yes, sir. You got a roof over your head. Yes, sir. You got clothes in your back. Yes, sir. Why do you think that is? Because of you? <laughs> Hell, I know it's because of me, but why do you think that is? Because you like me? Like you. I go out of here every morning. I bust my butt because I like you. You're about the biggest fool I ever saw. A man is supposed to take care of his family. You live in my house, feed your belly with my food, put your behind in my bed because you're my son. It's my duty to take care of you. I owe a responsibility to you. I ain't got to like you. Now I gave everything I got to give you. I gave you your life. Me and your mama worked that out between us and liking your black ass wasn't part of the bargain. Now don't you go through life worrying about whether somebody liked you or not. You best be making sure they're doing right by you. You understand what I'm saying? Aliens. It's been a minute. It's been a while. It's been like a month, over calendar month. Over in calendar month. We're in 2017. I don't know if you guys realize that, but um, we're in a new, new year. year. Happy New Year to you guys. Merry Happy New Year to you, Will. Happy New Year to you too, Eric. Thank you. We uh we spent a New Year's together, actually. Yeah. It was a good time. It was all right. It was all right? Okay, well, I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, we hope you guys had a good time over New Year's and the holiday break. Um, but now we're back at it. We're back to work. And what do we have this week? What do we have this month, Eric? Tell me. I thought you read it. I, I was yeah. supposed to read it. Yeah, I, I didn't read anything. <laughs> so what are we doing? I didn't know what we were supposed to. Well, I just I read fences and I saw it. Did you? See oh, it? cool. Yeah. Did well, you do that? Too? Not because of this. I just I just did that on my own. <laughs> so we just do it about fences then? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Okay. We'll just so okay. Tell me about fences. Um. Well, I don't know. You tell me. You go first. I don't know anything about the it. The August Wilson play. Oh yeah, the August Wilson. Not play. the fence around our house. Oh my bad. I thought that's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So fences is a play by August Wilson. Um, written in 1983, um, it was performed in 1987, won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama that year, and the Tony Award for Best Play that year as well. Uh, the first run <clears throat> on Broadway, excuse me, ran from March 1987 to June 1988, after 525 performances, which is quite a lot. It's a long time. Yeah. I feel like after the 100th performance, I would kind of get sick of saying the same thing over and over again, but who knows? Maybe, I mean, they probably enjoyed it. Um, feed your belly with my food. What? My son. Pa? Hey, Pa? Yeah. Um, starring James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first revival ran in April 2010 for a thir- limited 13-week engagement starring Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. Is it Viola or Viola? I think it's Viola. Viola Davis? Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, won th- it was nominated for 10 Tony Awards and won three, um, including Best Revival Play and Best Actor and then Best Actress. Then there was a second revival in 2013 by the Theatre Royal Bath in the United Kingdom. Oh, UK. In the UK, yep. I don't know how they relate to it, but 
Who was it? Was anybody in it? No, there was nobody that. No, no one was in it. It was just it. <laughs> nobody was in. It. They just have put the lights on the stage. Yeah. Like two hours later, they turned the lights off. Yeah. It's very Art Nouveau. Yeah. So <laughs> those Brits, they know. <laughs> um, and then obviously the film came out just this past December, from limited release um, to a wide release um, on December twenty fifth. Christmas this Day. Year. Christmas Day. It's a very Christmas film. Yeah. Kind of. Not yeah, really. Very, very Christmassy. <laughs> Um, but it puts you in the holiday spirit. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. So it's set in, the, it's set in Pittsburgh. Um, the plot is basically there is a um, garbage collector who lives in Pittsburgh, um, obviously making like minimum wage or close to it, um, has, a, has a wife, has, um, we're introduced to his children, to their children, and we're introduced to his brother. Um, and we find out later that but I don't know if we find out in the, they don't really explain it in the film, but in the, in the play, we know that his first son who comes by and asks for uh, $10. $10 every, every Friday, um, is, is a, is from another woman. Yeah. We know that. Did we, did they say mm-hmm. that in the, oh, okay. I must've missed that. But they, and he has, and they lions. have lions. Thank you. King of the jungle. King of the jungle. And they have Corey, who was, uh, Viola Davis is in, as a Washington's character's child. Troy and Rose Maxson's. Troy's, yeah. Troy? Troy Maxson oh, yeah, Troy. Rose Maxson. Thank you, thank you. I thought you were saying. Corey Maxson. Yeah. Um, and it's basically about, what is it about? It's about a lot of things. Yeah. It's not about a specific story. It's about the relationships he has with his family, basically, yeah. and his personality and how he was brought up and how that kind of affects his role as a father and how that role kind of deteriorates relationships within the family. Um, but yeah, so the film, let's see if I have any other anecdotes about the film. here. Well received. Very well received. It's been doing well at the box office. It was a $24 million budget with a box office so far of 35.1 mil. Um, so pretty good. So it was projected for the first weekend. It was projected, um, only, like seventy five thousand because it was released in two theaters, but it ended up making like one hundred twenty five. So it's been doing very well. Um, people love Denzel, man. People love Denzel. You know, he's a great guy, and um, yeah, but very critically acclaimed so far. Critically acclaimed, putting it in conversation for an Oscar. Would you say? Oh, I would say so. Oh well. Well, this we have to right because this is our award season Oscar season, season podcast podcast for sure season two. I would um, hope so. Before we get into that talk, mm-hmm. well, I got a quiz for you. Oh, you have another quiz for me? Yeah. Oh. It's a recurring bit that we're going to be still doing. Oh, I, I tell people hate it. Okay. Um, I kind of hate it. So it's only, it's only three questions. Pretty simple. Okay. Move your laptop so I don't cheat. I'm not. I'm not cheating. I don't have a laptop in front of me. I, <laughs> I've memorized all of this. Um, so this, the movie adaptation is directed by Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. It's his third directorial effort. Oh, you're going to ask me for that too? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Antoine Fisher. Mm-hmm. 2002, Antoine Fisher. With Derek Luke. I do love the film. Um, ooh. I don't know if I know the other one. 2007. Oh, Can you give me, like, a hint? Or no I've hints? never seen this movie. Have you? Is that a hint? Had you heard of it before? It, I, I can't. I don't know. It's called The Great Debaters. What? The Great Debaters. Is he, does he play anything in there? I think he, he plays just... Plato as one of the great debaters. Wait, are you serious? No, I don't, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> so He plays you, Aristotle. You directed, yeah. 
It's about Aristotle writing poetics. Um, Maybe we'll do that for one of our next podcasts. No, probably not. So <laughs> those two, Antoine Fisher, 2002, Great Debater, 2007. Interesting. Um, next question. Mm-hmm. So when Paramount Studios originally requi- acquired the rights to this play in mm-hmm. 1987, they made an offer to a very famous actor to play Corey. Can oh. you name the actor? So 87. So Corey's like a teenager at this point? Corey's 17 in the play. Mm-hmm. They made an offer to an actor who was 27. So he would have been born in 1960? Mm-hmm. And he'd be... 57 now? 56, 57 now? Oh, my. Could, would it be Denzel? No. Uh, that's, not a, that's not a bad guess. That's about the right Yeah, because he's about... Is he, is he still famous today? Still famous, but not... As famous? He's not, like, as... He's not really making mainstream movies. But as soon as, as, soon as you hear his name, you'll... You even know who it can't is. be Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's too no, old. No, he's right. Um, sorry, Morgan Freeman, you're too old. Sorry, Morgan. He's he's not making. I don't know. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. So he was already obviously he was 27 um, in 1987, he- and so when they offered it to him, they had like really no room for delays, and when the script. Or like when the production went into turnaround, he was he aged out of the role. Wasn't he like super famous at that point? Yeah, he was on SNL in like 1983, 84, and then immediately did 48 Hours, and he became like a superstar. Wasn't was was Raw released at that point? His Santa? probably. I don't Damn. know exactly when Raw. That's came so out. that's crazy that they would ask him to do that. Yeah, because that's such a minor role for. I mean, maybe it was different. Role. But it's not the it's not the role it's not the main role. Yeah. I feel like Eddie Murphy would be like Troy Maxson's like the the showy yeah sinky or damn if they got him though that'd be crazy. I mean James Earl Jones and him. Yeah, James Earl Jones is great. Um, the third one, uh, the character Gabe is mm-hmm. played by an actor named Michaeli Michaeli Williamson. Okay. Um, he plays and in another film he plays a character named Private. Benjamin Buford Blue. Oh my God! Are you kidding? He's Bubba. He's Bubba. He's Bubba. <laughs> Forrest Gump. Yeah. Wow. I wish I had known that going in. Actually, I, I'm glad you didn't tell me because I would have ruined it. King of the Jungle. King of the. Watch out for the Hellhounds, man. Yeah. So that's his. We can make pot fried shrimp, gumbo shrimp. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow! Shout out Bubba from Forrest Gump. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I'm glad he's back. So he's he's back. Uh, he's been doing like TV work, I think, mm-hmm. in the years between these two movies. But mm-hmm. um, this is a good turn for him. It's a great turn. I mean, after what Forrest did to him, you know, I mean, they made a bunch of money together, but then he just like ran off with Jenny. Yeah. Like, how are you gonna leave? It's, re- it's a redemption story. It is a redemption you know? story. Good for good for Bob and man. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's a great little. That's fun. That's fact. my quiz. Okay. That was a good. That was a really good question. You did, like you did good. You did. Uh, what was it? I only got one out of the three. Right? You got. You got Bubba. So you got two out of three. Oh, sure, I did get Bubba. Eddie Murphy was kind of a. You would never get that. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Eddie Murphy's like so irrelevant nowadays. But bad. like you know who Eddie Murphy is. That's true. Know? But he's not in movies. Yeah. Okay, so this is part of season two of Little Ends, um, award season. Award season. 
and what makes this to you an Oscar contender? But besides, well, no, not besides obvious. What is mm-hmm. obvious? Uh, well, the obvious is um, the the names behind it. So Viola Davis and Denzel, um, previous Oscar winners, previous Oscar winners, um, and it's a play adaptation, which um, you don't usually get in films. It's I think it's pretty rare. I can't honestly remember the last time there was. Maybe I mean we just watched the producers last night. Moonlight. But, oh, that's true. That was a play. I forgot about that. Um, good call. But that, and then um, obviously the play was obviously very well received. Um, Pulitzer winner. Pulitzer winner. Tony winner. Tony winner. Um, and then obviously it comes at a time where there's a lot of like racial tension in America, mm. so it kind of has like a political point to play um, amongst audiences and amongst amongst the film in general. So yeah, race plays a huge huge role in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, what do you think? Anything else? I agree with you. Um, it's interesting to me that like Denzel directed this too. But we mentioned the Antoine Fisher and the Great Debaters. I don't know how well those were considered to be, or like if those were really considered to be Oscar movies. Um, but and like Denzel's name lends huge, huge credence mm-hmm. to any movie released between like October and January. Yeah. For sure. I mean, he's got two... He's won twice, right? He won for Training Day. Didn't he win again? He won for Glory. Yeah. Right? Is that right? But he, yeah, and he was nominated a few... That would have been a good trivia question. He was, he was nominated a few times. Like, yeah. Philadelphia, I think. Yep, I think he was nominated um, for that. Uh, I wonder if he got one for Malcolm X. I would assume so. So, Academy Awards. Nominated for Cry Freedom, which I've never heard of. Glory, which he won. Best Supporting Actor. Malcolm X, nominated. The Hurricane, he was nominated. Training Day, he won. And then he was nominated for Flight most recently in 2012. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, he has six nominations. So Hurricane based on the Bob Dylan song. Right? Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, it wasn't a boxing I don't, movie. Oh, no, it is. It is. I'm sorry. It's a boxing movie, right? Yeah, it's a boxing movie. Yeah. It does, it does. You're right. You're right, baby. Bob Dylan. Shout out Bob Dylan. So, you go. So, how many nominations? That's six nominations? Mm, six nominations, two wins. Yeah, that's a lot. He's won three Golden Globes, damn. He won for Flight, I guess. I don't know if he won like a Cecil de B. B. DeMille Cecil award. B. DeMille. That's Whatever. like the it's like the lifetime achievement. Yeah. So, yeah. so but yeah. Viola Davis also won for the help. That's right. Um, That's right. So yeah, so you have two two certified winners, like two certified studs and then, acting, and such a like a the play or the film, whatever the story has these two like central characters pitted against each other at, at critical moments in the film. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a battle of acting almost yeah two heavyweights like together and i think um august wilson has credit for the screenplay he he passed away in like 2005 so i don't know like how much of this he finished um and i read that the playwright tony kushner um did some work he's not credited but he did like uncredited rewrites or Mm -hmm. not rewrites but like punching up that kind of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's pretty I mean, the movie and the play are very, very similar. Very similar. Um, I mean, it was probably word for word the exact same. Yeah, which makes it... So that's kind of probably a good way to jump into the conversation. It's just mm-hmm. like... Well, these are identical. Basically. Right? Did you Auditorially, yes. Did you feel that the fact that they were so similar uh, like affected the movie? 
like did you did you wish it was more of a movie than like them filming a play outside no i think i think them keeping it like it was um having basically one one location throughout the the entire film the backyard or a lot of it was filmed actually inside the house which you don't get in the play Um, it's all outside it's all outside in the backyard so they did change it up a bit but it's i'm glad they didn't like go crazy you know, like, let's go into Pittsburgh City and, like, film some stuff there. Like, yeah. they did, like, the opening scene is, they're on the back of the, uh, the trash, the trash the and truck. they're they're talking and stuff. Like, that in the play, they're talking, they're walking to the backyard and talking. Yeah, so this added a little bit to that scene. Yeah, but they didn't do too much, which is what I liked. They added one part where he is going in to talk to, is it Mr. Rand, the, the head yes. of uh, the collections? Of the union, I think. And he's asking to be... Because he's a trash collector and he wants to be a driver. driver. Yeah. And so in the play, like off screen, he goes to talk to him. But in the movie, they have him like sit in the waiting room mm-hmm. and get like called up. And then he's it, wearing a suit. And then it like cuts to the aftermath of that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And we just hear about that um, in the play. Yeah. And there was also at the end, I thought it was really interesting, where they had him in the bar. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Because that doesn't happen in the play, right? No. Nah, he's, he's I think he's a, just like drinking. Probably um, in his backyard, in backyard. <laughs> drinking his bottle of gin. Yeah, but uh, it's it's it gives another element because it's like they're obviously. If you're not familiar with the story, um, spoiler alert, coming up right now. But probably also an expletive alert. Although I don't think we've used a bad word yet. Not yet. So let's try not to. Okay, <laughs> this will be our first episode where we haven't cursed. Yeah. Okay, we'll see. So basically, in the story, um, there's a critical point where Denzel's character Troy Maxson tells his wife that he fathered another child from another woman. Um, and they go through, like, yelling and screaming and basically hell. Um, and so he's he's kind of deteriorating a little bit. Like, he's not really, like, as much a part of the family as he used to be. The family's kind of divided. Um, and I thought that was really interesting to have him go to the bar instead of just drinking in the backyard. Because, like, it shows that he's kind of getting pushed out. He's removed from the central, like, the central point of the entire play. Right. And I, w- I was wondering if that kind of takes away something. Because if you have him stay in the backyard drinking there, like like he does in the play, is it sort of like he is refusing to leave? Like, he is... Because he's a very, he's a very stubborn guy who... He believes he's done everything for his family. Um, but he still, he still sleeps there. He still sleeps there. But I guess in the play, you get the sense that he's always around, right? Yeah. He's always at the house. So it's hard to judge because in a play, you don't you don't really have the resources to sort of put him somewhere else. Right. But it, it gives a sense of like, oh my God, this guy is like, he's always around. He's always at the house. He'll never like give up his He'll family. Never He'll never leave. And in the film, you can like kind of mess with it and put him in different locations. Um, so I wonder if that kind of like has something to do with like, is he realizing he's getting pushed out or is he just sort of like, he needs a, he needs his own space. I think he does realize it because in the bar, they, his like best friend, only friend really in the play, Jim Bono, Bono. Mm-hmm. comes in and he's like, have a drink with me. And he doesn't. Right. And so yeah. it's like, now, you know, like something's different between them because mm-hmm. he always drinks with him. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't. And he's like, I just wanted to say, I bought Lucille is Jim Bono. Lucille. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, we made this promise that as soon as you 
finished building the fence in your backyard, I was going to buy my wife a refrigerator, and I heard that you finished the fence, so I bought my wife a refrigerator, you should come by sometime, it'd be good to see you. Was that in the play, by the way? Was that? Yeah, that ha- but it's not in a bar, but they have that conversation in the play. Okay, I don't remember that conversation when I read it. Yeah, so the like, the, one of the main points in the play and movie is that Denzel, Troy Maxson is building a fence around the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he's finished building it, like things, something will happen when he's done building it. Yeah. Um, but it, the entire play is the lead up to him finishing building the fence. fence. So my question to you, because I, I think there's several different answers, is like, why do you think? Why was he building this fence? Why was he building it? Yeah. Why? Why do you think? He. he I think he was building it to. So there's, there's a reason he built it, and there's a reason his wife wants it built. Right, so tell me... Why he's building it? Just Yeah. Okay, so... It, so it could be not, like, why he's building it, but, like, why is there a fence being built? So there's... So why, do you, why do you think? So I think the fence is being built because he um, is trying to keep the devil out of his house and of his family. Because he mentions numerous times throughout the, the play and the, and the film, like, I've seen the devil... I wrestled with the devil for three days and three nights or whatever. Um, And he always, he's always talking about the devil trying to bring him down, blah, blah, blah. And it's not really, it just seems like it's, it's from an audience perspective, it's his own demons. It's his own faults and failures. Yeah. But he's, he's basically blaming his own faults and failures on this devil creature that he thinks is trying to break him down. So I think he's building the fence to keep the devil out and keep, you know, his family in and away from that. Yeah, and then obviously the other perspective, which is the one I take, is that it's Rose trying to, like, metaphorically keep him from leaving. Mm-hmm. Because after it's revealed that he's fathered that other child from the other woman, she's like, you should have just stayed in my bed where you belong. Right. And it's like, okay, well, she's making him build a fence so that, one, he's always, like, out there working, and two, like, there's a physical barrier between him and the outer world. Yeah. Which, yep. I, which I think is... I mean, because you could read it both ways, and you're mm-hmm. both right. You know, it's funny you say that, because now I realize that um, in the film, he's kind of in the outer world a lot, right? So he's walking up, mm-hmm. he's walking through the backyard, he's out in the front yard fighting with his son, or trying to bring him, trying to bring Gabe in when he's having one of his little episodes or whatever. Yeah. And he's always around, right? But he's he's not always at the house in the film, but he's always, like, around. He's around kind of, you can tell he's kind of, like... In the yard. Yeah, he's always just kind of, like, walking around, like, checking things out, blah, blah, blah. We see him a lot um, at the garbage, the like, the collections depot, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Yeah. He's, he's always, like, in and out of work. So that makes sense from her perspective more, I think, in the film than it does probably in the play. Yeah. Because you see um, Troy, Denzel's character, out and about a lot more. Um, but, yeah, so that's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting allegory. Yeah, is what the, is what the kids call it these days. Um, yeah, so keeping it keeping them out, but what does it do in the end? Or sorry, it keeps everybody in, but what does it do in the end? I might just give that away. But. What do you mean? So like I the fence she, like, rebels the, against it. So the fence wants to keep everybody in, right? But what is what does it do around Troy's character? I think it forces him. I think he rebels against the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, he he doesn't enjoy building the fence Mm -hmm. because every time in the movie he starts to like saw the boards he like immediately stops yeah or he wants his son to do it yeah yeah 
and does something else. So, so I think I think he knows when I think at some level he knows when he finishes it. Yeah, like his his like work is over. Yeah, like in a sense, like the work of building the fence is over, but like his work as a man is it is, is over. over. Mm-hmm. Like he won't be able to go outside mm-hmm. once this fence is built. So I think there's also another perspective where, as he's building the fence, right, he is also fencing himself in and keeping everyone else out or sort of forcing everyone else out. So he, so he does, he fathers a child, right? So, uh, real Davis's character, I can't remember what her name is. Rose. Rose sorry, Rose. Um, got a Rose. It's just like you. Just like you, Rose. Yeah. And she, um, he fences himself in at that point. Mm-hmm. And even with his son, they don't really have a real relationship. Uh, Corey, his son with Viola Davis's character, Rose, um, he fences himself in because he's always, they're always conflicting. They're no, there's never a scene where they're like, there's camaraderie amongst the two. And between so he's, him and his wife. Between him and Corey. Troy and Corey. Yeah. Um, so he's sort of fencing himself in by pushing them out. He's fencing Corey in. You know, he's fencing himself in. I mean, but you can also read it as he's trying to fence Corey in. How's that? Because, oh, he tries to keep him in the house yeah, instead of so, getting a football scholarship. So maybe, yeah, maybe he thinks he's keeping everybody in except for himself too, because Troy was baseball, like a very good baseball player, and it's not it's not really clear to me whether or not like I know there's probably race involved with it, like mm-hmm. why he couldn't play in the major leagues, like they you know didn't allow like Jackie Robinson kind of started this wave, and that was '47. Mm-hmm. Um, but, this is in the 50s. Yeah, but he was also in prison for 13 years. Yeah. And so by the time he came out of prison, he might have just been too old. Um, although he thinks he can still hit, like, 53 home runs or whatever it is mm-hmm. if like, he played currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, he, I mean, he considers himself disadvantaged and doesn't want Corey to, like, falter in the same way. So yeah. even though Corey is a really good football player and is being recruited mm-hmm. to play in college – he refuses to let that happen. Yeah. He refuses to let him play football, mm-hmm. number one, and refuses to let him get recruited. He's, you know, makes him work at the A&P, finds out he's not working at the A&P. Gets offset. And kicks him, like, forces him off the football team, kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also ironic to me that he's doing this to Corey because he's like, this is how the world works. You're going to be disadvantaged, get a trade that you can, like, that no one can take away from you. Right. When at the same time, like, the very first thing we hear in the play is that he's petitioning the company he works for to let him be the first colored driver. Right. So he's, like, forcing the action himself, mm-hmm. but he's not letting Corey That's like true. do the same thing. Yeah. You That's know? a good point. That is a very good point, actually. Um, yeah, and it's because he, for whatever reason, he is kind of blinded to the fact of what's going on around him, and he doesn't realize that things are changing. And, you know, Rose and Corey both say, like, times are changing, like, you know, black people can like make themselves make something of themselves in this in this America yeah. as opposed to like his America, and they can play sports and they can be something. And you understand it from his perspective, like that's how kind of how he grew up. Like you need to be a mechanic or be something that nobody can take away from you. Yeah. Like thirty years down the road. Um. Yeah. I, 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 I just speaks to your point. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about family. Okay. Because I think that's one of the main uh, parts of this play and, and movie. Like, Troy's relationship with his father, and then Troy's relationship to his children. Mm-hmm. So, the there's a really good, I guess, like... Story? 
Yeah, Troy tells a story. And the problem with Troy is that you can't quite know what's true and what's not true because right. Rose, like, interrupts him and says, like, you're that didn't lying happen. Yeah. Um, often because he likes to embellish things. But he tells mm-hmm. a story about his father, how they grew up, and yeah. his father only Mr. wanted him to, like, grow babies so, until they could work and then work them. Right. Um, and they have this falling out when it's like a horse or a donkey gets loose and he comes to find Troy and Troy is like messing around with this girl and his dad like whips him and then tries to take a go at the girl and then Mm. Troy fights back and then gets like beat half to death and then just leaves um which and like hasn't kept up with his dad or with his siblings except for Gabe Gabe. really Mm -hmm. um but then you get to learn more about Troy as father himself and Lions, you know, was fathered when he was young and dumb before prison, and then he comes and fathers Corey with Rose, and then he fathers another child with a different woman. Mm-hmm. So he's like created three separate broken families, you know, even though he comes from his own broken family and mm-hmm. is trying to was trying to do better, and he always says he's doing the best he can, but really he's like he's created like all this brokenness. Yeah, and I think. I think when he says I'm doing the best that I can, I think he actually means it because he's he's such a broken character himself from what his father did to him, and he he had, had essentially no role model growing up. So he left when he was 14 years old yeah. to live on his own, and he didn't have any sort of father figure. Walks that was, to Mobile, there was any, right? 200 miles. There was any there was no positive uh, male influence in his life, which is tough. You know, I mean, I I, I can't relate to that at all, but. It, and I can only imagine what that, would, what that would be like for somebody. And I can't necessarily blame him for what – I mean, obviously, you can you can blame him for fathering, you know, a child with another woman and stuff. But you got to think, you know, how like how messed up is he? Like, well, where is his head at? Emotion, emotionally, where is he? You know? you know, he has that great scene with Rose where he's like, it's not – it's hard for me to tell you. Like, I can go – like, the reason I'm doing this is because I can go to this woman's house. I can laugh. And I can feel it in my feet. Mm. Like, it just feels so good to be there and, mm. like, be away from all of, like, what we this, are. Yeah. All of this responsibility, basically. Yeah. So responsibility is such a big theme. And mm. he, like, is such a – he takes it so seriously, mm-hmm. but also doesn't. He, right. Like, do – say – he's a perfect example of uh, do as I say, not as I do, basically. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, yeah, You know? Um, but – yeah, the responsibility factor is is interesting, but it's I think it still all goes back to like him growing up and not having a father and the fact that he was in prison for what was it 13 years or whatever when he was like 20. Yeah. So he missed out on a lot. So I think the another reason why he's messing with this other woman um is because he feels like he probably missed out on a lot. Cuz he was from one of the stories that uh Bono says is that um after one of the baseball games, he hit the ball like 500 feet or something. Mm. And like 200 people waited to shake his hand. Yeah. Like that's an incredible story because that, you know, that doesn't happen to a lot of people. And that's, I can only imagine that's like a great feeling you get. And to go from that to go to prison for 13 years, you're missing out. You know what I mean? You're missing out on your potential, you know, great years or whatever. Yeah. So I think that has a lot to do with like him fathering another child because it kind of brings him back when he was with that woman, he says he could laugh and feel good again. That probably brings him back to that time. Right. Because it's all responsibility at his house. Yeah. So I think this plays into another thing that I want to ask you. He says, and I think 
Lions after spoiler Troy passes like at the end of the play says mm-hmm. you have to take the crookeds with the straights. Yeah. And when he says it, it kind of is in reference to what you were talking about, the home run. Like in that game he strikes out three times, right. comes up in his fourth at bat and hits like a five hundred foot home run mm-hmm. over like the grandstands right. in the outfield. Yeah. And you have to take the crookeds with the straights, which in that reference is meaning like, you know, you fail but you have to like get back up. Yeah. So to, to you, like, what does it mean to take the crookeds with the straights? Because he kind of embodies that in his own life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it, it basically just means, like, y- you take the positives of everybody and you with the negatives. So, like, the positives for Troy would be that he um, has his own house, right? He's doing well. He makes money. Wait, his Seventy-seven. Own house, which he paid for with... With Gabe's, Gabe's money. money that he's military given by money. the military for being disabled. Mm-hmm. And crookeds, man. But you take them with the straights. You take them with the straights, you know, because they could be in a lot worse situations, I'm sure. Um, and then you got to deal with all of, you know, his personality traits that aren't exactly, I don't want to say respectable, but like, you know, that aren't great. And it's, it's just kind of like a, it's not an, ex- I think some people will view it as like an excuse for who he is as a person to take the crookeds with the straights. But it's kind of just like a life philosophy with anything, really. It's how he rationalizes cheating. Yeah. Because I think Rose at one point says, like, you should have been straight with me, you know? Mm. And it's like, you should have just stayed in the bed. Mm-hmm. and like, Should have been crooked. Yeah. And he's like, no. Like, being straight means, and he gives this example where he's like, two strikes on him and he bunts mm. to get to first base, which is like, why are you bunting with two strikes, number yeah. one? That seems mm-hmm. very reckless. Right. Um, and then he's been like standing on first base and he sees like an opportunity to steal Steal, and then he does it. Yeah. A lot of baseball metaphors. A lot of baseball metaphors. Um, did you know baseball actually has fences? Oh yeah. Is it to keep the players in or the people out? It's to keep, Oh, I think it's to keep the crooked with the straight. (laughs) Good answer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great film. I mean, it there, the only issue I had with it is it was very long. It was about two and a half hours or so. And there were, the third act was like way too long, in my opinion. Like I liked, I liked the fact that they stayed true to the script and everything. They cl- included everything, and I did like the to see the three generations of Troy Maxson's children all, oh, all in the house yeah. at the same time. That was interesting, uh, and their dynamic, their awkward dynamic. It wasn't really awkward. It was actually like they were a real family. They were, and they were cared for each other. I think they all realized, like, that they all came from the same person. And, like, we, even though we don't seem similar, that we, mm-hmm. like, all owe our life and our, like, personality and our, you know, mm-hmm. our whatever ticks to, mm-hmm. to this guy who we all, like, maybe hated when he was alive, but, mm-hmm. like, he was very important. Yeah. And it was interesting to see how, I can't remember, what is his oldest son's name? Lions, man. My bad, King man. of the jungle. I can't remember. I'm so bad with names. Lions. I, I introduce myself to people all the time, and I hear their name, and it just goes in one ear after the other. Dude, that's bad. I know. I can't <laughs> help it. But um, I thought that was really interesting um, because he is he's probably the most similar to his father because he's like... Lions? He's the oldest. He's the, the closest. Jungle. Yeah, King of the Jungle Lions. That's <laughs> fine. It's okay. And uh, Because he, at the end of the story, he's in jail. For stealing money or something like that. Uh, he's on so, probation. Oh, he's on probation. But he he was in, he was in jail. 
Yeah. Yeah, he was probably out on probation. Um, so that's kind of like, you can see the, where the family's progressing at that point. So Troy's dead. He was in prison for a while. And now Lyons is in prison or on probation or whatever. And he's, you know, his life isn't all together, but he's, you know, he's still living. He's still trying to make it work. And then you see Corey, who is a corporal in the U.S. Marines. Mm. And he's obviously making something of himself in spite of his father. And then you see um, the daughter's name. See, I, I can't remember. Kamai? Or no, it's like some with a K. No, it's uh, right now. Right now, sorry. Um, she She's just a kid, but she's very sweet and innocent, you yeah. can tell. And She's six at the end. She's, yeah. And she's, you know, gardening and stuff like that. And, like, she, her and her brother kind of hit it, and with Corey, hit it off, like, immediately. Mm. Uh, probably because they're, like, the closest in age. And they both sing... Uh, Blue. Troy's blue, Troy's song. Yeah, about his dog. So you can kind of see, like, the family is actually progressing. They're getting better. They're definitely through lines. Through lines yeah. is getting better, which I thought was kind of cool. Not through lines, sorry, like, through lines. Like, oh, there's, like, through lines between all of the characters. It's a double entendre. Yeah, I guess. That's not, good. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but, so, like, they, they recognize similarities, you mm-hmm. know? Like, they both know the song blue yeah even though they'd never really shared time like Raynell and Corey Corey was kicked out of the house when Raynell was like four weeks old yeah you know but mm-hmm. they'd still like have this shared memory yeah even though it's not a shared memory they have like a different memory but it's shared between them right you know exactly yeah and then there's at the end when Gabe comes and blows his horn to like open the gates to St. Peter mm-hmm. um and we're shown because in the in the play. In the play, it's like, I don't even know what the stage direction is. I think they're all in the backyard and they're all looking up. I think it's very similar yeah. to what happened. It's, uh, it's almost exactly the same, I think. He blows his horn and the gates of, so he finishes his dance and the gates of heaven stand open as wide as God's closet. Yeah. So, yeah, he blows his horn and it's like St. Peter opens the gates for Troy to come through and in the film, it's like the clouds part and the yeah. sun shines down on all of them in the backyard and you see the tree that was planted in the backyard like the first branch is dead mm. but like all the other branches above it are flourishing right so it's like Troy maybe was not a great person but like his fathering style is that a thing like mm. created like his, flourishing life yeah his legacy it will be yeah fulfilled in that yeah yeah that's a good point. Yeah, the only problem I had was that it fell long. Did you have what any problems you, with it? What would you have cut out? I would have, I don't know. I, it just, the last third just felt so long. I felt like there were so many pauses. Um, it almost felt like it was too much. It, it, this really doesn't need to be a two and a half hour long movie. It really doesn't. Um, like, when they hit off the bat in the first scene, the garbage collector, that's, the dialogue is like, real quick, it's like an Aaron Sorkin movie like real fast between them and just like okay this is going to be the speed of the film and it continues up at that pace throughout like about halfway through maybe two thirds and then just like goes off a cliff and it's like after you find out he fathers a children then it's like there's this huge divide and there's like all these like there's that one scene when silence. they're in the bedroom together him and Rose you know, and, and, they, like, and they get the call rain yeah they get the call and it's raining outside and he like sticks his head out the window and it's, it's like yelling at the devil yeah yeah it was very like I, t- I said this yesterday when we watched the producers, but there's a lot of like they let it breathe. Yeah, for sure. You know, they mm-hmm. let the actors like act and emote. 
that's together. A, that's true, they did. It's two and a half hours. It didn't seem like two and a half hours to me. Really? Maybe it did to you. It did, like, towards the end, I was like, okay, like, when is this going to yeah. wrap up? Um, but yeah, it was good. What did you, do you have anything else you want to say? Or you want to get into it's, it's Oscar chances? Do that. Oscar okay. Chances. Oscar chances. So, I have my opinions. What do you want to share? Do you want to share yours first? Share your, your opinion. So I think it's a lock. I think nomination wise, it's a lock for picture, uh, and then it's a lock for the the two actors. Mm. I think it's a lock for adapted screenplay. I think those four are for sure locks. Yeah, I think Viola Davis is the front runner for supporting actor. And I know that it's kind of like a point of contention because you mean actress, best actress? No, she's up for supporting. She, no, she's. Really? Yeah. So you, as an actor, you're allowed to choose what you like go up for. She chose supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I, it's I, easier for her to win. Who are the other actors or like actresses? Best actress is Natalie Portman for Jackie. Oh, yeah. And Emma Stone for, for La La Land. La La Land. Um, and then, uh, like Annette Bening might be in there. Like, there's a, there's a few more. That's kind of soft. Yeah. So she went supporting, but it was her decision. You know? Yeah, I think it was a soft decision. She's definitely not a supporting character. She yeah, she's, she's like the best actress. But yeah. I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah, interesting. The rules are so Denzel could be like, I want to be a best supporting actor. I don't. So it's weird because you would maybe it's like a a gender thing, but like you would never see you would never see Denzel go up for best supporting. Yeah, that would make know? that would make no sense. Yeah, but this happens. I feel like more often with women. I've ne- like, I, is there another example like of that? I think. I don't know, the one that comes to my head is the help. Because she all those women are kind of like co-leads. Yeah. But some of them are supporting. Because there's like three main characters in help. It's Emma Stone, Viola Davis, and Octavia Spencer. Yeah. But they're all kind of like supporting. Two of them are supporting, and one of them goes for lead. Hmm. I don't. I don't remember how exactly it broke down. It is kind of a, an odd because it depends on the story and it depends on. Yeah, but she. I mean, she's a huge part of. She's in. Like yeah, she's every in, nearly every scene. Yeah. I guess, I guess I see. I can see how you can spin it because it's really it's not it's not, a, it's not her story, right? It's Troy's story. Yeah, yeah. So yep. she's like supporting in. I could see that, that sense, but I still think it's soft. Viola Davis, if you're hearing us, I think that's soft. So yeah, I think she's supporting actress, and then Denzel's up against like Casey Affleck. Mm. Yeah, Denzel probably won't and... win it. I don't think just because he already has two. Uh, I mean, I think his chances are great, but I don't think it. The writing, I mean, obviously the writing's great. It's already won a Pulitzer and yeah. a Tony, so it's probably a frontrunner in that category. Mm-hmm. I don't think Denzel's getting nominated for directing. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't see, I wouldn't think that they would throw him in there for it, but maybe. Yeah. You know, maybe. Um, yeah, any any other supporting actors that you would, do you like, do you think have a chance? No, I thought Corey was really good, but of course. Yeah, the character. Actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't think he'll... No, I don't it. I don't think so. Bubba, I don't... Like, he's... Mm-hmm. I think the consensus is that the guy from Moonlight has, like, locked that up, too. Oh, Ali, or yeah. whatever. Mahersha Ali, or yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. I think he's... I think the smart money's on him. Do you know where he went to school? Do you remember to college? Do you know? Quiz time. UVA. No, no, no. Another school I went to, St. Mary's. Yeah, he went to St. Mary's College. Uh, you went to Nova? <laughs> Nova Squad. Shout out Nova. Uh, that'd be awesome. So, as we close up, what, uh, as we do, preference between uh, play and, and movie? Uh, I'm going to go with the play. I'm also going play. You're also going play? Yeah. 
All right, two votes for play. There you go. What's up, Denzel? Yeah. You like me now? <laughs> um, so what are we doing next? What's our next project we're doing? Silence. Silence. Yeah. It's not going to be quiet. Whisper. Whisper. Um, that should be later this month. Yeah. So what we're, we should probably start like, releasing dates when we're going to do them so people can yeah. see it by then. But I think our goal is to have that up by the end of January. Okay. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say before we sign off to our LTLian fans? Just shout out Shia LaBeouf. Shout out Shia LaBeouf. Hey, if you're hearing the show, we'd love to have you on. Yeah. You could do a rap for us, your freestyle, you know what I'm saying? Why not? If you, you know, if he has any lyrics left. He's got a bunch of lyrics. He kills it. Anyways, sorry. I didn't mean to go off the whole Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys tomorrow.